Hi. So welcome to the Star Child Podcast. I'm Tanya Estrella. I'm here with Kalechi Ubozo today, and we're just going to be talking about whatever comes up around intuition, insights from the stars, and other stuff. I mean, this is just kind of the way that we end up conversing. So I think that you're kind of you're going to kind of get a sense of just the regular conversations that we have today. So. Welcome, Kalechi. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited to talk to you, like we always do. I know, like we always do, but with microphones in front of us. I know, right? I'm like, what is this thing in front of my face? But it's beautiful, so I'm here for it. No, it feels very, very different now, but I'm excited for it. So, yeah, I mean... (laughs) I want to ask... Well, I had a question for you. Please, please. Like, so... You've mentioned it's eclipse season or time, and I I just wanted to know, like, what does that mean Mm. for folks? Because I think, I mean, it it could mean anything. So I've just been, it seems like it's an important time, but like, what what does it bring up for you and like, what's important to know? Mm, That's a good question. Look at you interviewing me already here. I love it. Um, So yeah, it's eclipse season. Um, We're recording this the day after the new moon solar eclipse that we just had. And so generally eclipses represent times of intense change, but the change is always something that's kind of moving you more towards your destined path. Mm. So it can feel very abrupt. It can feel very scary, very sudden, But everything that happens around an eclipse, whether it's unexpected or not, is there to kind of move you toward where you're truly meant to be. So a lot of times things that happen around eclipses come up very abruptly and can kind of jar us or can kind of throw us off track a little bit. So one of the big things with eclipse season is that stuff can come up that you really, really, really weren't expecting. And the challenge of it a lot of times is to kind of roll with that and be able to kind of move through the changes and trust the process. Because a lot of times when things are changing, we can really grip on or we have resistance that comes up. So I always think about that in terms of trying to like fight the current or like swim upstream. So you're trying to swim upstream. You're going to be pushed to the same place anyway, but then you completely exhaust and deplete yourself by trying to go against the current. And so in eclipse season, you're going to the same place anyway, but if you try to resist or control the outcome, it doesn't necessarily change what's going to happen or where you're going to be pushed, but it will change the experience for you. It changes the process that you go through in order to get there. So it makes it much more painful, much more exhausting, much more challenging, much more difficult. So one of the things that I think of a lot with eclipse seasons, it can feel a little bit scary or overwhelming even to think about that, but it's like, what happens when you just release that resistance and you just let yourself flow with the current? Wow. That is so powerful. I I always feel like I want to go with the current, but then my body wants to control the outcome and and like all my little inner children come up and are triggered when change happens really quickly. So it can feel really difficult, even though this is for me, it doesn't always feel for me because it it can feel really intense. I know some really intense feelings have been coming up um, with, I'm getting married in the fall. So with just a huge process of a wedding, but just people's expectations Mm -hmm. and all these like almost like shadow experiences that I thought I had already healed and we had moved away from. They're like, Hey, I'm back. So so I feel like they're, they've been activated during this season, but just, I mean, it's been every time, like it's just been coming up a lot. So I, I'm just curious about how to stay with the current, but maybe that's instead of trying to control the process, because I find myself trying to control things Mm -hmm. and control is like this way 
that it, I feel safer, even though I've never had control. It's never real control. It's like this Mm-mm. sense of, aha, I will make an agenda for it. <laughs> and then, <laughs> aha, I will figure this. And, and my, my agenda is like thrown out the window, but. You do yeah. like agendas. You I, do. I do. I love a good agenda now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm trying to release that, but I definitely have felt some resistance to just like. I don't know, falling back and just letting the world catch me. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very natural thing. Like, I think we all feel resistance with that. Mm. I mean, I've been feeling intense resistance in my body the last couple days. Like, some stuff has been shifting for me majorly in an unexpected way. And it almost feels, and this is a general thing with eclipse season that can happen for us, is it can feel like suddenly the foundation that you knew was pulled from out, out from under your feet. Um, so it's a very difficult process to go with if you're not kind of grounded in yourself because the grounding on the outside comes away. Mm. Um, like you kind of lose your tether or you lose your foundation or you lose your grip on what you did think you had, the control that you thought that you had, the reality that you thought you had clung on to, um, things that made you feel safe, basically. So the things that make us feel safe, oftentimes we kind of rest on that or we attach ourselves to that as a way to feel stable. But really what what a lot of this year has been doing, but also in an accelerated way, what this eclipse season is doing is kind of ripping those rugs out from under us. And so it's really a test to see do you have internal stability that you can lean on and can you build that without having the external stability that feels like it's supporting you at the time? No, that makes so much sense. I, for me, it's come up with relationships, relationships that I never ever questioned that would be there that have always been grounding or stable and having like, I don't even say them ripped away, but like ripped open and being like, you're going to have to stand on your own without this person who was your safety blanket. What is, who are you without this person? Mm -hmm. Who are you making your own decisions? What do you actually think and feel? I will tell you, it was not fun. It was very painful, but also really important. And I think I need to remember that when I go through these other types of really quick changes of this is for me and it may be uncomfortable, but what am I going to learn about myself? Because I, you know, I don't want some things to change, but sometimes they really need to change. And it's like putting a light on things that you're like, I don't want to, you know, it's not usually fun. Like, I don't want to look at that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can we just skip to the, you know, happy ending? But it's like, no, in order to get (laughs) to to the best point for you, you're going to have to look at all of it. Yeah, the way out is through. And we don't always want to go through because it's very uncomfortable. But I think that the experience you're talking about started for you last eclipse season. Mm. So it was last year. um, Last year, it was at the end of May when it started. Um, So yeah, this year it's starting at the end of April and then it's going into May. Last year it started um, in May and it went into June. But it's the same cycle, but just a year later, basically. Um, So slightly different timing. But that's exactly what happens with eclipses, where it's the very uncomfortable thing that any other time we would have tried to like hold it back or fight it or stop it from happening. Like, and we have a lot of times, but then what happens with eclipses is basically anything that you have been resisting up until this point, you just get shoved off with it. You just have to leap off the cliff and there's no choice, you know, but I mean, there is a choice. The choice you do have is what to do with it and how you kind of uh, shape your perspective around it or how you move with the changes that come. But in terms of what changes are in your highest interest, (laughs) that's what you don't necessarily have a choice over because 
if there are things that you've been avoiding or resisting that really need to happen for you to get on your aligned path or for you to kind of grow in the way you're meant to grow, there's not a choice then at that point to make that change anymore. We can delay it, we can postpone it, but when eclipses come, usually anything that we've delayed or avoided, it comes to the surface and it has to be dealt with suddenly. So also a good thing to remember around this though is that the choices we make determine the experience of a lot of this stuff. So if you've been kind of resisting, avoiding, and you won't look at anything that's been coming up that's been asking you to kind of look at it or sort through it or feelings that have been coming up for you, it's going to be a much more difficult process Mm -hmm. because you're going to be kind of pushed forward into a lot at once. But if you are more steady with it, if you're more willing to go with the flow and see what's been coming up for you and tackle it little by little or even tiptoe into it, even dip your toe into it instead of avoiding it completely, the experience of eclipse season is very different because you've already been approaching that and you already probably know what's been asking for your attention and what what needs to have some work done around it. Yeah, I was just thinking that um, I've received a mess, you know, I always receive messages from the universe and, you know, sometimes the first message is a little like a quiet (laughs) suggestion, (laughs) like, hey, is this serving you? And I can be like, I'm not really ready to look at you. And then the next, the next message is that the volume is turned up mm-hmm. a little bit. Like, let's make you really uncomfortable. And then there's a point where, you know, throw you into eclipse. It's like the volume's turned up. You were like at the cliff. It was like, hey, uh, you had a, it, it's actually not random by the time we get here, but no. it can be based on what I've chosen to do with like the information I've received. If I've decided to pay attention to it or if I wasn't really ready to have that conversation or have that realization. But usually it's not a surprise. There've been like all of these, all of this information this entire time. Mm -hmm. And then it can feel abrupt. But when I look back, if I were like, you know, there (laughs) were like all of these (laughs) breadcrumbs leading to this uh, like very large uh, shift. So yeah, this is a good reminder that this is, you know, (laughs) <laughs> to choose your own adventure could have had a different adventure exactly. yeah flip to page 55 or page 66 like which one do you want to go down and one of them's going to lead you this way and one's leading you the other but it is your choice but ultimately you're kind of leading down a similar path or mm-hmm. i mean the major thing is we do have free will in terms of the individual choices we're making but if there's really big lessons along our path if there's really big things that need to be addressed those are going to eventually happen no matter what so we can take different detours to get there. We can address it in different ways. We can make different choices along the way that are going to shape the experience and shape kind of the individual things that happen. But in terms of like resolving major, major issues or looking at something that's right in front of your face, like you're saying, where, okay, I got kind of reminded of this once and then twice and it gets louder every time. We can choose to avoid those things, but we delay it, but then you kind of intensify it when you actually have to deal with it. So if you think about like, if you work on something a little bit one day at a time and you do it consistently, it's going to be a lot less work over a longer period of time. It's going to be less intense, but it's going to be longer. But if you avoid it and you procrastinate and then you do it all the day before something's 
do, it's going to be an intense burst of activity. And it's kind of the same way with like our soul lessons too. It's like we can choose to kind of dive in little by little and like look at it and retreat and then do a little bit more. Uh, But a lot of times it's so uncomfortable or it's so difficult to know how to approach it that we just put it off and it's like we have a whole semester's work of worth (laughs) right before the exam, you know? And so you're up all night trying to figure it out and it feels so stressful. But that's very similar thing that happens with our our lessons in life as well. Yeah, is the eclipse the exam? (laughs) Pretty much. Well, it's like, let me think about that. I feel like it's the moment where it's like, well, if you haven't studied now, you better fucking get to it. You know, like, it's the time is now and it will just thrust you into that. Like, oh, you thought you had more time. Actually, you don't. So I do think it's like, that's probably the night before the exam. And then you just get pushed into it, you know, where it's like, whether you studied or not. Yeah, the exam is here. Whether you studied or not, this is your lesson. This is your test. So the test can feel much more intense and you can feel a lot less prepared prepared for them. And you can also feel a lot more jarred and kind of unstable, like that ungrounded feeling we're talking about, where I think during eclipse season, the ungrounded feeling can happen kind of no matter what. But if you've been taking the time to work through some things and build stability from within, you have that internal stability to lean back on. Whereas if you've just been putting it off, putting it off, or, you know, sometimes we like distract ourselves or we look for things that are comforting um, because it's like, oh, it's too hard to look at that right now. So I'm just going to, I'll get to it later. You know, I'm just going to sit and watch TV Mm -hmm. instead of study, you know, Um, but we can do that. But then you end up not actually doing the work and kind of building that knowledge base up or that like internal stability, that like kind of muscle, you know, where if you do it a little bit day by day, it slowly, slowly gets stronger and more stable. But if you wait and you try to like gain so much strength in one day, like it's not really going to work like that and you're going to exhaust your body and maybe hurt yourself. We're switching metaphors a bit here, but I think all of them apply (laughs) in different ways. But yeah, like sudden things, you're never going to get as much of a benefit from doing something all at once as you would if you do it little by little. But either way, it's going to happen. Like either way, you're going to get where you need to go. But if you have to traverse a much um, bigger distance in a shorter period of time, it's just going to up the intensity greatly. I hear that. I I think for me, I have, I I was going to say, I was like, but I got these kids though. So... (laughs) I've got these um, inner children, and there's like a chorus of them. And, you know, they react very strongly Mm -hmm. to change. They react very strongly to a lot of things. And sometimes instead of doing, you know, the thing that I think will serve me, I dissociate because they can just feel Mm -hmm. so loud, whether it's, oh, my goodness, this relationship you've had for years feels like it's changing, Mm. which then for me, it might connect to a piece of like attachment of like, I am attached to this person. I need this. And so that kid Mm -hmm. is just throwing a tantrum (laughs) saying, no, we are not, we can't touch this one. This is a safe one. Like, um, even though, you know, the universe is saying you need to look at it. So they're just very, you know, I've got one, one like chorus of kids reacting. And then on the other side, the universe is like, it's coming. You, mm-hmm. you, you got to look at it. And yeah. I, so in the middle, I'm like, cool, I'm going to watch Netflix. Yeah, oh, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. just, I was like, both of y'all are too loud. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm not giving either of you attention. And, you know, I don't know that that's, you know, sometimes that's helpful, but I don't know that that's fully served 
me. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious about what you think about like what, how to respond to the parts of you that are reacting to what's coming. Um, because I sometimes, you know, I don't know how to respond and they're very, very loud. It doesn't feel like I'm having like a conscious conversation. It's like, I am that 16 year old who didn't have uh, a birthday party because I thought no one would show up. Mm -hmm. So anytime someone might say they can't come to my wedding, I feel like so dejected and like upset in a way that feels way strong almost like it's not mine mm-hmm. um but it's really really loud and i'm not re- you know logically i'm like no that person has a totally great reason <laughs> but i'm not acting from logic i'm like you're ripping me apart and you're judging me and no one was going to show up and they all hate me and i'm like this this feels really intense so mm-hmm. what i want to do is disengage <laughs> yeah. but i'm curious of what you know just I don't know, different ways to engage with the parts of you that are reacting, not responding. Mm -hmm. I mean, first of all, I think it's important to like be very kind to those pieces of yourself that are not acting based on what you think is like rational reasoning (laughs) because they're not because they're not they're not adults. They're not where you are now. They're not fully grown humans. You know, their brains have not fully developed. You know, we get kind of these different pieces of ourselves that get stunted at different states of maturity, depending on what we kind of experience experienced and had to hold in at that time. And so a lot of times those pieces of ourselves will kind of just shut down and go into survival mode so that they can get by. But when you're a kid, you don't have the resources to deal with that in the moment. So instead it does get suppressed, but that's not a bad thing. That's like a wonderful survival and coping mechanism that we have. Like that is the best thing that that kid could have done. Mm -hmm. But then what happens is when you're an adult and you have safety and you have space for that to happen and you do have the mental and emotional resources to spend looking at this, they come back up and they get really loud and they're like, okay, now there's actually room to get those needs met. But they're not they're not talking from the same space that you are talking to me from right now, you know? And it does feel like a tantrum a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, if you lean all the way into the dissociation and the binging Netflix, you know, that can be not very adaptive, but you have to do some of that. Sometimes you can't do all of the work all the time either. And sometimes that's what you need in the moment. So I think first of all, just like letting yourself do whatever you need to do. And there is no one right way to do it. Everybody's going to have different ways of coping with it and not judging yourself for needing to zone out and watch Netflix when you need to do that. So when I'm talking about like doing our work and facing the things that are coming up, I'm not talking about being a picture perfect A student all the time and being an inhuman robot. You know, we have vulnerabilities. We need to take breaks. We need rest. We need to just sit and zone out or cry or scream or rage or whatever you need to do at the time. But I think one of the things that's really helpful when those little pieces are coming up that are very young and very vulnerable is to just let them be where they're at and let them do whatever it is that they need to do. So if they need to go into the car and crank up the music and like, you know, sing, scream to it, like some Linkin Park was my (laughs) 14-year-old's, you know, choice of rebellion at the time. Or when any time that I was upset, I would go into my room and crank my stereo up so loud. So if your inner 14-year-old needs to do that, do that for the time. If you need to sit and color with your six-year-old for a while, sit and color with your six-year-old. But really, there's so many options in terms of what you can do with that. And the healing thing, I think, though, is 
to not try to force anything mm-hmm. on yourself or on those pieces of yourself or not to hold blame and judgment when you do need that stuff. Because whatever you experienced as a kid, I mean, you might not have had adults around at the time who knew how to hold space for that. A lot of times, you know, we have adults that are kind of trying to push us forward into whatever way they need us to be, or it's inconvenient for them that we have a certain reaction or a feeling or that we need something that they can't provide at the time. But if you just, from your adult present place that you're in now, even if 1% of you is able to hold that space and not give into that judgment and be like, whatever I'm experiencing right now is okay, that in itself is healing. And a lot of times we hold really, really high standards and expectations for ourselves. And oftentimes we can unconsciously start doing the same things to ourselves that our, the adults around us mm-hmm. at, our t- at that time did for us. I'm going to say that again. A lot of times we can do to ourselves the same things that the adults around us when we were children did to us that were very harmful at the time. So... It's kind of taking a step back from those patterns and instead of just blindly repeating them or, you know, kind of shaming ourselves and shutting ourselves down the same way we might have been to step back and actually listen to that child part and make room for it to do whatever they need to do. And I mean, I always talk about it like you're if you have a kid that's kicking and screaming, you're not going to like get it out of the car, but you're not going to let it be behind the steering wheel either. You know, you're going to put your kid in the car seat and strap it in safely Mm. and let it have its tantrum, you know, and be there and do what you can and make sure all of their needs are met. But you're not going to set it and let it drive, you know? So I think oftentimes we have like an extreme either or, like either I'm going to let the tantrum and kid make all my decisions for me and drive the car, or I'm going to try to throw it out altogether and not deal with any of that. And it's like, we need to have a middle ground there. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm always struck by, you know, and it's not intentional, but how sometimes because I've done, you know, years of therapy and worked in mental health and all of these things and learn all these coping mechanisms. And I, I, I forget something you pointed to earlier is that, you know, now it might feel safer for some of those parts that were suppressed that did not come up in like past, you know, conversations or healing spaces as they're coming up. I find myself sometimes getting frustrated. Like I thought I already dealt with this. I thought I already healed this. And that is not the approach I actually want to have to children who are like, if a child were coming up to me, like that I cared about, I wouldn't say, I thought you already healed yourself. Like, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be so judgy. But when I'm thinking about it through my journey, I have been like, oh, man, I thought we already did this. And you're back again. Or, oh, this is a, a nuanced part of abandonment that I never thought I looked at. Mm-hmm. Because with me, some of the larger things that happened to me got way more attention mm-hmm. to the things that I feel or felt were smaller or not significant, but they were always significant. I just wasn't in a space where it was safe enough for them to come up. And so, I mean, I'm just taking a step back and thinking like, wow, I'm safe. Mm-hmm. These things are coming up. How do I want to be more of a safe haven for the kids, but not like let them drive 
me off the road. <laughs> yeah. The road. I mean, I'm not gonna say I was the best driver at 16 because <laughs> I wasn't. So any of them, none of them should be driving. But I don't want to suppress them or judge them for not being healed when actually this is the first time they're coming up. I'm acting mm. as if they've been here the whole time, and I'm like, no, they didn't have the space before because I had to deal with the things that felt that were just larger that needed more attention. So I think that's just really good to remember is is really like what you just said about like, okay, I could put you in the, like, I could put you in the back seat. We got you a seatbelt mm-hmm. on. I'm mm-hmm. still going to drive, mm-hmm. but you can cry your eyes out or you can yell. Um, you were screaming and singing to Lincoln Park. I also was doing that, <laughs> but like, I, I listened to a lot of corn and I was like, mm-hmm. there's so much <laughs> angst in me. And I get the like eyeliner out and really just feel, uh-huh. you know, the feelings. And I'm like, I can hang with those parts. Um, you know, those parts are me and they're beautiful and they're, they're sweet and they really just needed a stage and I, I think sometimes when I just like let myself feel it, it then it passes but I'm so in my head about like we don't have time for this I gotta like gotta go back to whatever I gotta jump into a meeting I don't have time to break down but the more that I don't have time the, lo- <laughs> the louder that kid gets and actually it becomes way more explosive than if I just were like you know what we're gonna sit down and color mm-hmm. um, or do the scream sing thing or whatever is the child is calling me to do um, and I you know I think just embodying that practice more and not needing to have the answers but slowing a lot of slowing down and listening mm-hmm. um and that's a new that's like a new muscle to like mm-hmm. build yeah over and over again and you have to build it over time you know where it gets stronger and stronger but i mean if you've ever seen somebody try to take a meeting when they have their little kid in the room Whoa. you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> You don't get to just be like, oh, hey, mommy's got a meeting right now. Like, you know, you got to be quiet for the whole hour and have nothing change. Like, no, they're going to have feelings when they have feelings. They have needs when they have needs. They're hungry. They want attention. They're going to cry. They want to be in the back of your Zoom call, you know? (laughs) So I think when we're doing that to ourselves, it's not like a physical child in front of us. So it seems more realistic, but it's the same thing that you're asking that piece to do. So taking time out for whatever it is that you need to feel and not trying to like, you know, force yourself through it because it's inconvenient in this moment to have a feeling, you know, (laughs) but this kind of goes back to what we're talking about with going with the flow versus resisting. And so that's another thing. We don't always think about this, but a lot of what we can have a lot of resistance to is actually feeling our feelings in the moment that they come up or, you know, embracing it can feel hard to embrace that but embracing what needs to move through us at that moment and like you said when you actually just let it go through you when you feel your feeling it actually doesn't hang around for very long it might be intense for like a little while but then it's just gone and you feel lighter because you actually went through the process of releasing it so you know that resistance though you can keep yourself stuck in the same feeling state for years or decades Mm. when you don't let it move because emotions are energy emotions are meant to move through the body they're not meant to be stagnant so when we try to hold and suppress and like pent up an emotion you actually don't let it move and then it actually festers and it gets more intense and it it draws more energy and more attention from the rest of your system because there's something that just wants to move it's not a natural state for an emotion to be stagnant so i mean that's also where stagnant emotions that we hold in can create a lot of other issues. So it's like it can create, you know, dis-ease in the body. You know, we talk about disease, but really that's dis-ease. It's 
some sort of stagnant emotion mm. or energy that gets stuck up in a certain place and then we can't actually move it and it will kind of create physical symptoms to try to get us to pay attention. So just like you were saying earlier with the, you know, you'll get a message and it'll be kind of quiet and then it gets a little louder and a little louder. That happens mentally for us, but it also happens emotionally and physically. So, you know, if you have a little ache in a part of your body, but then you don't pay attention mm. to it and you don't pay attention to it, like those emotions that come up, but also the physical sensations that come up in our body are usually pointing us toward a particular thing. And then if we're able to figure out what that is and shift it, we can actually resolve things in a much different way. A lot of like our modern system is uh, kind of built on addressing symptoms but not addressing and finding the root of something so we just like slap a band-aid on different problems whether they're emotional physical spiritual whatever but that's kind of the way that we've learned how to do things when really all of that is information and all of it is actually very sacred information um, and it's trying to help us understand what we're actually meant to see and what we need to work out at the root because if we can get to the root of some of these issues just like the root of your inner children being really upset at a certain time, you know, you let them have the feelings and you kind of allow that process to happen. But once you do that, you have a lot more insight that comes up as to why that was coming up in the first place. But you don't get the insight until you go through the process. I hear that. I, and I'm someone who loves to know why. And so all of this is, can be very frustrating because I'll just feel something so heavy. And I look at my day and I'm like, Nothing has happened. It was a sunny day. I had, you know, great experiences and connections with people. Why do I want to cry at three o'clock randomly on a Friday? And I will, I will just sit there trying to figure it out rather than just let myself have the experience of crying mm -hmm. or feeling it. And usually the information will come later. And I, but it doesn't come because I've been thinking about it. Like, okay, this leads to this. Also, that person once said this thing to you. Is that bringing up? Like, I like to, you know, I like to be really analytical with my pain. I'm like, where? All right, what's that? You know, what's that 3.5 plan? Okay, you were sad here. That connects to this root trauma, which makes this. And it's like, okay, you're crying on a Friday. It's just let it happen. Mm -hmm. And so many of us have been, whether we were taught explicitly or implicitly not to express how we feel, it, it, it can sometimes still feel really difficult to let go of that programming or that like whatever traditional thing our parents like gave to us because their grandparents did this and it was passed down. So when you're taught to not express how you really feel because it's deemed inappropriate or makes mm -hmm. other people uncomfortable, mm -hmm. even as you're unlearning that, sometimes my initial, my real reaction gets coded mm. because I don't know, it, that feels new to me. It's like, wait, now I'm allowed to express myself after <laughs> 30 plus years of not being able to do it or being told not to do it or being told I was too much or mm -hmm. that I offended someone because of my expression or how my face you know, expressed itself. So, you know, almost years of controlling different parts of myself. And then now I have all these like, you know, kids who are like, I need attention. I need you to feel this. And I'm like, I don't, I almost don't know. When I feel something, it's because 
I can't not feel it mm-hmm. anymore. I, I don't like happily like, oh, here's a tear. It's coming. It's like I am grappling like, no, do not cry until we're off this call or whatever. And so it's almost being ripped from me. And I, you know, I don't know that we need a violent process for this. I would, I would love to just sit in it and, and just allow it to flow. And I'm still working through mm-hmm. all those years when I was told not to express or like honestly got in trouble, whether it was like in childhood or work, when I did actually say what I thought, when I did actually feel something mm-hmm. and had it like essentially policed. So I do, I am grappling with old narratives and old prog- programming that's still, you know, in there that's trying to get unstuck and then I have these very loud feelings that are like you're gonna feel them um so I'm just sitting with with both of those realities right now mm-hmm. yeah and that's a very like <laughs> down on the ground kind of look at it in a way that we don't often hear talked about because I think sometimes you know we it's either extreme like we're talking about it in this very theoretical way and these are the tools and these are the practices <laughs> you know my voice even changes I know as it I say did. that. I was like, <gasps> Oh, yes. Yeah, that's like my therapist oh, cap like going spa. on, you know. Therapy spa, <laughs> therapy tawny spa. voice. Yes. Yeah, love and light therapy spa voice. But yeah, we don't often talk about the reality of how messy and how uncomfortable these things are. And I mean, the beauty of this process, like you're saying, even though it might not feel good in the moment and you don't like that, it's like at some point when it's ready to be released, you just have to go with it. And sometimes you will kind of be kicking and screaming during that process but it is happening for a good reason even when it feels very uncomfortable and I think I mean it can be the goal or what we would prefer to be like oh well I just go with every feeling and I feel totally comfortable with it that's not the reality a lot of the time it's messy and we're doing the best that we know how to at any given moment and I mean oftentimes those lessons do revisit us like you were saying earlier where you thought that you resolved something, you thought you healed something. But the truth is you did heal a part of it, but that was from the context that you had access to at the time. Mm. So I think about it like a spiral where you're moving up along the spiral, like it could be a spiral staircase. So you kind of, you are at the same point, um, like in that circle, in that spiral, but you're on a different level. You go higher up and higher up. So you have a little bit of a different perspective every single time. You have more distance from that original wound every single time. So it might feel like you're revisiting the exact same problem or the exact same wound, which you are on some level, but you're revisiting it from a different place than you were before. And I think sometimes when that happens, we think we've done something wrong or we feel like we've regressed. You haven't regressed. You just have to revisit it from a new place. And that's Mm -hmm. actually this point where you can have the opportunity to close out longstanding cycles or heal longstanding wounds just because you have enough space and enough distance from the original kind of thing that happened that you can make a different choice and see it from a new perspective. And that in itself can be extremely healing and can move a lot in a very short period of time because you're able to actually see it from a new lens. Whereas before you were so close to it, you were in it. And so you didn't really have the opportunity to look at it. Yeah, I'm I'm now thinking about that spiral staircase and almost like a, you know, different perspective. And I think sometimes folks, and I know I'm not the only person who does this, get stuck in the, I thought I already did this. Mm-hmm. And instead of looking at what's there, you can get 
you know, almost trapped in my thoughts of the thing as opposed to like actually really looking at it. I have found so many ways to avoid things and I wouldn't have called it avoiding before, but I think today I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I've avoided it by like trying to hypo- hypothesize like, mm-hmm. what does this mean? What is it telling me? What does it mean for my future? I get, re- I can get really stuck in the why and the how as opposed to being present and in my body. And I'm, I'm not used to like being, and emotions are in your body. So mm-hmm. it, I think that there's a, a big part of it of like, I have to stay in my body. And a lot of times when I'm uncomfortable, I like to get out of it mm-hmm. or dissociate. Mm-hmm. And when I let the feelings pass through though, I mean, I, I will say it happened like two weeks ago. I had this, got triggered and I ended up having one of those cries that are like, you want to have it privately, <laughs> but I had it in front of my partner. And it's like the snot cry. You can't breathe. And you're like, I don't know. I'm always someone who re- repeats a phrase. Or like, I tried my best. Like, I'm one of those, like, I tried to do my best. It was, it was messy. And then I was like, oh, no, he's seeing me. I'm crying. And I'm, I'm he's, it, you know, he just held me. And I was like, well, I guess this is happening. This emotion is coming through my body. And I, you know, I, you know, would have preferred to have it, like, hidden in a bathroom. But, you know, it happened in front of my partner. And he was able to hold it. And then when it was done, I felt lighter. And like, no, it was not comfortable. But I was like, you know, if I didn't repress or try to like, I don't know, like there was no logicking that. Mm -hmm. That was, that needed to move through Mm -hmm. me. There was anguish. There was so much pain. It couldn't, it couldn't hold, I couldn't hold it anymore. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't supposed to hold it anymore. And if I just think about, or really feel like it was in my body and there was no dissociating. There was no checking out. I was, it was all very present. And then I felt better. And I, for whatever reason, always forget that I feel better. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, I, I remember the uncomfortable part of it, but not that there was a release that I felt lighter. I was like laughing by the end of the week and at the beginning of the week, I was like, nothing will ever be good. Mm-hmm. Like it was very intense. And there was just such an opening of space, something like, something opened Mm -hmm. and it was so beautiful and I just want to find a way to remember (laughs) that letting myself feel it will create openings that I deserve Mm -hmm. that everyone deserves to have those openings no matter what we've been taught about feeling or being seen we're supposed to be seen we're supposed to feel our feelings Mm. you know and I that's what I want to reteach my like littles that are in me (laughs) I'm like no it's okay yeah you know have a fit Uh, you don't drive the car but Mm -hmm. have the fit that you need to have and so, yeah, I'll be thinking about that and moving away from some of the judgment or thinking I'm not as far as I was, but really the perspective of you now have more space to mm-hmm. heal these things deeper and mm-hmm. you were at where you were. And it's not a race either. Mm-mm. It's no, like, and I don't need to compare myself. This is where I am today. Yeah. And you might be in the same place you were before, but you're like, you know, 20 stories up. So like all of that effort and all that time and that distance that you've created between it. So you're circling around the same part of the staircase and it might feel familiar, but that doesn't mean that you're revisiting the same place again. It doesn't mean that you went all the way back down to the bottom. Mm. You've walked up all those steps. And the thing with growth is that nothing can take that away, which is a really beautiful 
thing. So it can feel scary or painful or excruciating or uncomfortable in the moments that it happens. But once you grow, you can never unlearn what you learned. Mm. So even if you fall back to kind of a similar emotional state, or if you're revisiting a past issue that feels really old and familiar, it doesn't mean that you actually fell all the way down. You're just looking at that again from a new lens. Or sometimes we do have to kind of immerse ourselves in that emotional experience again, sometimes because we never really allowed ourselves to fully do it in the first place. Like you might have intellectualized it the first time. um, And so you did have part of the experience before, but now it's time to be in your body and feel it, even if that's uncomfortable and even if you don't want to. But a lot of times, I mean, I think talk therapy is very helpful. I've been in my own therapy for years and years, but talk therapy can only do so much because a lot of trauma and a lot of pain is held in our bodies. So you can talk about it and that is an important component that does need to happen, but that's not going to be the thing that actually relieves the full amount of the pain that you've experienced. There does have to be some of that like nervous system regulation work and the actual feeling of the things that never got to be felt before because those will kind of get physically trapped in our body sometimes. And just like you said, you felt lighter, like you felt like there was an opening. Those things, when we process through them, like I said, that emotions will get stagnant and kind of stuck and dormant in the body. When we allow them to move through us, they actually open up more room in our physical body and they kind of open up a space for healing there as well. So you said that you want to like teach your littles, you know, that this is available and this is possible. And it's like just by doing that, just by having those experiences, even when you're not really wanting to have them in the moment, but doing it. That is what teaches them that it's available. Mm. You know, I, I think I heard somewhere that a cell cannot protect itself and grow at the same time. <laughs> and that just feels oh, so yeah. uh, <laughs> relevant. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It, it's, yeah, that's just what I was sitting with here thinking like, huh. I like that. Yeah. No, that's very appropriate. Because, I mean, that's basically your whole childhood. If you are in a situation that doesn't feel safe or doesn't feel like all your needs are being met, regardless of what that looks like, you're in protective mode, you know? And so you are kind of doing the best that you can, but it doesn't mean that you're fully expanding and growing and learning to the extent that you would be if you were in a completely safe environment. And so, like you were saying too, that, you know, now you're in a safer environment, a lot of these uh, little parts of yourself are able to come out and speak up and feel these things. But it's not until you really get to that space where you do have openness, you do have safety, you do have somebody who's able to sit there and hold space for those parts and is not going to shut you down when you show that. That's when they know that it's safe to come out and where a lot of healing actually happens. But it can be, you know, decades down the line. It doesn't always happen immediately after something like that. So you mean this is like good and healthy? (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. What looks not so great or feels not so great is actually a sign of healing in a lot of times, but it feels so bad sometimes or it looks so uncomfortable that we're like, oh, this must be a bad sign. It's not a bad sign. Mm. And so, I mean, as a lot of stuff is coming up, I mean, this year... It's been coming up for years for, for folks, but this year I just feel like we've hit kind of a new level of things where it's just time. Mm. 
Yeah. It's time to face things. These things are coming up. They can't be suppressed or denied anymore, even if we want to, or even if we're very uncomfortable with dealing with whatever's coming up for us. It's just here and it's just on the surface and it is what it is, but it feels bad sometimes, but I swear it is a good thing. And I will also be the first to admit that I don't feel like it's a good thing when I'm going through my own stuff. So like, I'm not, again, I'm not on this, oh, everything's wonderful and I choose healing, you know? Like, spa therapy. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm not in my spa therapy spot, you know? I am, like, on the floor crying a lot of the time and, like, yelling out for help. Or, like, I do the ugly cry, you know, where you're just like, what in the heck am I going to do here? Like, I have no resources left. I have no ability to resist these feelings anymore. But as much as that is not fun at all in the moment, it's incredibly painful. It is actually moving through those feelings and letting them ripple through your body. That is what moves you to a different place. It's an alchemical transformation. So when we do alchemy work, it means we're fundamentally transmuting one form of something into another. So it's like turning water into fire, turning pain into power, you know? And so it is a very painful process because it's physically changing something from what it was into something new. It's not a light, easy kind of an experience. But a lot of times when we are holding a lot of painful experiences and we do allow them to move through us, we're fundamentally changed in a way that it was it would not be possible if we didn't feel that pain. Mm, I love that. Turning pain into fire. I think I'll keep that for later. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was just... I mean, I've been surprised myself. I used to be someone who, you know, when someone asks you, like, how are you doing? And you're like, oh, I'm doing well. (laughs) And so folks have been like, oh, how are you doing? How's wedding planning? And I've just been like, you know, it's, you know, I'm seeing all my oldest wounds show up. So it's been really heavy. (laughs) And um, yeah, I have all these inner children who have all these needs that I didn't know. And, you know, on one hand, that feels so vulnerable and open and not to just be like, this is joyous experience, but I've been really surprised by the response. Like, oh yeah, that happened to me, but I never mm. told anyone or yeah, it's really difficult or yeah, things things come up around family, around almost almost every wound that ever happens feels almost um, like a, a light is shining on them to be looked at because you're doing something, you're partnering with someone else and you're creating a new life. Mm. So I've been surprised that folks have not, you know, I didn't know how they'd respond. I, you know, didn't, you know, my kids didn't care. They were like, we're going to tell you the truth. But they've been responding like, yeah, that makes sense. Or yeah, it's been a really difficult time for me. And I'm just reminded that when you're, when you are vulnerable, like how, how open that is for, some, how you model that, how open it is for other folks. And I think, you know, I think it's really important to not only remember that, but embody it. And I'm, I'm not telling people like things they want to hear anymore. And that's mm. part of things that I used to do mm-hmm. to make other people feel comfortable or, or just assume they didn't really want to know. I almost assumed entire conversations with people before they happen. Like, oh, they don't really care. I'll just tell them something mm. nice that they'd like to hear. But anyone who's still in my life at this point, you know, I'm like, no, uh, I think... The past couple of years have uh, excavated some folks out of there. So, you know, if you're left, we're going to have real conversations and 
maybe I won't always feel all the emotions, but I will not pretend they're not there. And I'm mm-hmm. not going to do like a PR campaign about how everything is awesome. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I think more than ever, people are really hungry for real conversation and real connection. And like, we just are done with the bullshit. Like, I mean, I've been done with it for a while, but I think that more and more as I've actually allowed myself to show that, like you're saying, because I used to also very much present and be like worried if I told people how I was really feeling that they were going to judge me or reject me or be horrified, you know? But the more that I've come out and just been myself and been real with people, I find that people People are very receptive to it a lot of the time and not only receptive, but seem to feel relieved Mm. that then they almost have permission to be real back. But, you know, until somebody breaks that ice, people feel like they need to be in like professional land, you know, like, oh, I'm just presenting and everything is well. And how are you and best? And, you know, like all all these like email sign sign offs. Um, But then when one person kind of breaks through that, they have permission. And another thing I was just thinking of when you were talking was so a lot of things have been coming up for you around your wedding that's coming up and we don't often think about how the things that we really want and the really good things that happen in our life that we're excited about are actually very difficult sometimes and bring up a whole lot of grief and a whole lot of like buried emotions so there's not always been room to discuss that because it's like oh you're getting married congratulations it's wonderful only and it is wonderful but it also is hard and it also makes you look at all this stuff that you might not have had a reason to look at before. Absolutely. And I I think I've had that feeling that folks, oh, how's wedding planning? How are you? (laughs) Like this like, ah, sound. And I'm like, child (laughs) is real. Um, Really hard. Um, And it's not about my partner. It's not about love. It's actually about all of the wounds Mm -hmm. that didn't get paid attention to And that are like, hey, look at me. Look at this family wound that you didn't realize that. Wow, I didn't really realize that until I was figuring out a seating chart, right? Like, I don't (laughs) think I'm going to get triggered by a seating chart. But, like, these visceral expressions and feelings. And I think think sometimes folks just, uh, similar to weddings or big events or even having children and people have this like, oh my gosh, is it the best joy, most joyful thing ever? And, and folks have been like, yeah, or said what folks have wanted them to say. And I'm really embracing just like, no, there's a lot of grief and Mm -hmm. I'm very excited to marry this man. And, and there's a lot of things I need to look at. There's a lot of like, how do I want to do things differently? How do I want to partner with someone? Um, how do I want to have emotional connections? Who gets to celebrate mm. me? Who is going to be there and who's not going to be there? And am I going to be too attached to whether they come or not? Um, so it has been such an interesting experience because I just thought I'd project manage this. It'd be a little stressful, but we'd mostly <laughs> have a party. And it is not what it's not the experience I thought it would be, but it's the experience I'm supposed to have because nothing else would trigger these specific wounds mm. for me and say, you're going to look at this and we're going to move through this because I find that it's so important before I enter a partnership with someone, we're already in a partnership before I enter a marriage. I'm not trying to bring all of this there. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to create openness so that I can look at it and I'm not trying to hide either. I'm like, okay, you all want to get looked at. We're going to look at you and give you space. And sometimes it's a tug war of like you know when I feel open to doing that and when I'm like oh my gosh I'm going to dissociate right now um but I am just 
I'm grateful and uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm like, ugh, ugh, okay, well, okay, good. I guess we're finally having this conversation after like 20 plus years. Uh-huh. I mean, the conversations we're having are <laughs> mm-hmm. not what I expected. And they can and do happen simultaneously all the time. You know, you can have very seemingly conflicting emotions at the same exact time, which I think that we don't always know how to hold space for that. We sometimes are like, oh, it has to be all good or all bad. But things are shades of gray, you know? And also, like kind of what I'm hearing you describe, it's, you know, having all these wounds brought up or these fears brought up, but a lot of times when we have fears brought up, the way we try to solve them is to micromanage and be in control or to at least feel like we have control. Like, okay, so if I do this and I try it this way, then maybe I can make the outcome be X, Y, Z. But really, we don't control the outcome. And that you know, initially, I think is one of the scariest things that we can ever realize, like, oh my God, I don't control this. I have no control here. Um, But then it also can be very freeing once we kind of lean into that and get more comfortable with that, or even just comfortable being uncomfortable, like familiar with the discomfort of not knowing. Because I mean, that for me, throughout most of my life, you know, I was very micromanaging. I tried to control absolutely everything. I was also very, very high anxiety because I felt like I needed to look out for every possible Mm. scenario and anticipate ahead of time. Um, Because, you know, I grew up in a very unstable kind of erratic uh, environment where I didn't know what was going to happen. So I learned, this is actually one of the ways that I learned to read energy so subtly, was I learned to read between the lines of everybody's behavior all the time and try to predict ahead of time what could happen Mm. and then I would alter my behavior to try to control their reaction um, which has just been exhausting. I was just going to say that sounds so exhausting. It's like okay that person moved this way their energy shifted that I need to act like this like almost like a flow chart. Uh Uh, (laughs) If this then this. this, Oh red button go it's that you know. Oh my gosh that sounds exhausting. It was super exhausting and I was literally just exhausted for years and years of my life but I just thought that was what it was, you know, and the the anxiety that I felt was so tiring mm. a lot of the time, but it's really been only over the past few years or so that I've really lessened that anxiety, but the way that it actually happened was about four years ago, I got thrust into a situation that I didn't see coming that completely took away my ability to predict or control anything, <laughs> which, you know, sounds terrifying, and it was, but it was also one of the most freeing and important experiences I've had in my entire life. And through kind of this exposure therapy to not having any control, or I mean, I never had control, but I just had the illusion of control. So suddenly realizing that I've never actually had control and that I can't predict the outcome. I can't control what happens. All I can do is control what I do and how I look at it and how I react Mm. and like how I choose to move with the things that do come in around me. Um, But it was really, it was one of those, you know, you're going to leap off that cliff or get pushed off that cliff experiences where suddenly I had no control. And it just felt like for years, you know, I was kind of burning in these fires of change. And, you know, I wrote a book, um, The Phoenix Girl, that's about that time period from 2018 to 2020 that talks about that exact thing of, I just felt like I was going through this perpetual death and rebirth process for years because before that point I had been so controlled and I had tried to manage everybody else's feelings around me by basically, you know, sacrificing pieces of myself over and over. 
And then suddenly when I wasn't doing that, when it wasn't that I just one day chose not to do that, it was that it became not an option anymore. It didn't work the same way anymore that it always had before. Because before, in certain environments, it kind of worked. It wasn't good, but it was okay. It was safe, at least. It was neutral. Um, It was stable enough. But then suddenly, I was in a new context and a new phase of my life where the same things that I had done for years didn't work anymore, and I had to adapt and adjust. But really, it's been moving through the fire of those experiences that has taught me to get more comfortable with being extremely uncomfortable and not knowing what is going to happen. And it is that process of surrender and releasing control. And instead of trying to swim upstream against the current, like, you know, flowing with it, but that doesn't mean that we just are perpetually unstable and have no ability to ground ourselves. What I started to do more out of kind of necessity was I started building a foundation within myself that was unshakable. And I mean, that's a slow and steady process with a lot of trial and error. Mm. It does not sound as straightforward as I'm just talking about it now, but that is what I needed to do. And I think that that's what we're being asked to do in general over the last few years. But then it's really amped up over the last six months or so, it really feels like to me, where we're needing to build a compass within ourselves. We're needing to build a safe space within ourselves and not rely so much on external stability or external validation to feel okay. Because if you're constantly looking to the outside world for comfort or validation or reassurance, the outside world is changing constantly. And it can just be, you know, one slew of terror after another. It's like, today it's this, tomorrow it might be that. But if we're basing our foundation on how stable the world is around us, we're going to just be spun in loops perpetually and always been in this, be in a state of anxiety. And I lived in that state of anxiety for so, so long. And it is exhausting and it is painful and it is stressful and it's not sustainable. Um, So even though I did it for so long, that was when I was in survival mode and I literally didn't know what else to do. But I think we're being kind of called now to step out of survival mode and try to figure out the ways that we can feel more stable regardless of what's going on around us. So, you know, what can you do for yourself that's not dependent on any state of the world or any other person um, that will help you to feel grounded and calm? You know, is it you close your eyes for five minutes and sit in silence? Do you go sit by the water? Do you go um, put your feet in the grass? You know, do you read a book? Do you write? Like it can be completely different for different people, but something that is stable enough and can bring you back to that inner place of peace, even when you feel like the world is spiraling around you. And I think this is really important for us to like learn and cultivate for ourselves. But then especially this is really relevant for eclipse season where eclipse season just, it throws things for a loop, you know? You're on that roller coaster and you've been slowly like ticking up there and then you're not only going down, but you're going for the loop-de-loop and you're going upside down and you're suddenly just all over the place. Mm. But if you don't have that thing that's strapping you in, you could just fly off, you know? We need to have something that's internal to us that can keep us kind of stable through those processes. Yeah, it almost sounds like how do you build a home within yourself that Mm. you can always go to, that you can always ground in because... Things are always going to change, but how can you resource yourself and pour back into Mm -hmm. you so you can be like, well, okay, you can look out almost like you're looking outside like, well, that's great. That's still happening. And uh, I still 
I can still return to myself. I can return to my breath. For me, I'm always trying to get near some redwoods Mm because they just give me so much energy. (laughs) And they're so old and spiritual and wise. But that's how I like replenish myself. And I also have to be mindful when I'm around folks who are kind of spiraling themselves and what I, I, you know, how I can still engage with them, but also ground myself um, because lots of people are spinning. And I, I used to, as a, you know, people pleasing person in recovery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. uh, yeah. Cause sometimes I see it pop back up uh, like, well, how do I make this person comfortable? How do I do this for this? <laughs> you know, you had your, your version of control was um, exhausting. My version of control was people pleasing. They're mm. kind of like a, you know, same side of a mm-hmm. different coin, but similar in many ways. Um, I cannot contort myself anymore mm-hmm. to, to make other folks happy, which is why, of course, that's one of my very, very old wounds that, of course, is coming up with this wedding. But it's been coming up for years with people, you know, trying to really, realizing that, like, even if I did, I would be sacrificing myself and my voice and all of those other things. And, you know, it's eclipse season. It would, it would all come out anyways. Mm-hmm. And so how do, I, how do I ground myself in myself and have folks react however they need to, but still be in a place of response as much as I can. Because I'm really trying to respond, not s- create a response for people. Like, mm. how, how can I make you happy with this version of me? I'm not splitting into like 12 different kolechis anymore. Mm-hmm. That part is done. And this newer part is new of building this home within myself. Um, but it's really beautiful. And also I'm like, maybe this is, you know, I could just imagine a whole house where all the kids are <laughs> <laughs> and they have like, you know, dinner time and like fun times and times to sleep and all of those things. It can be as beautiful as I want it to be. And a lot of imagination helps me get there. And I think I just, I used to harness my imagination for other things, but not always for healing. Mm. And so when you were talking about talk therapy earlier, and I've used it, it's been super helpful, but where do we get to like break off into like, like, you know, connecting or like actually sitting with little mm-hmm. versions of ourselves and actually going on journeys, right? You know, I can, and part of me says imagination, but it's still reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can open up these kind of dreamscapes to heal those other parts. And I don't think I had access when I'm in this intellectual, mm-hmm. like analytical place when I'm in my head. Um, and I learned that being in my head and was safe and now I'm learning like okay you you leveled up that's no longer where your healing is that was like one level now you're going to move into like where is it in your body where can we create different spaces so I don't know I think it just kind of as as jarring as all this movement can be when it opens up it can open up really really beautiful places that I haven't gotten to go or I didn't feel I could go so Mm. yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna sit with that for a little bit because I think I used to think it was this linear path and nothing is linear Mm-mm. at all. Not at all. No. I have not had a linear experience whatsoever. <laughs> it's been so up and down. But it's like you always, it's kind of like you take two steps upward and one step downward on that spiral staircase, you know. So you're still yeah. always moving up, but you have to go backwards sometimes. Or might, you might sometimes like run all the way down a whole flight <laughs> of stairs and then have to trek back up, you know. Yeah. But you still don't learn, you don't lose what you learned in that process. But you will sometimes have to go through things multiple times or move through 
through them, but what just struck me out of what you were saying. So usually we talk about, you know, trying to start responding rather than reacting, but it sounds like for your healing, you almost need to react, not <laughs> respond. Because I mean, I think of reacting as more of that impulsive emotional oh, in yeah. the in the moment reaction, whereas responding is more sitting with it and then deciding how you'd like to respond. But it sounds like that was more of like a safe space for you to like, you know, PR campaign your response but then you would never let your actual emotional reaction out so that there is a version of healing that requires just letting that impulsive emotional response out and not suppress it. Yeah, I never really thought about that um, because I am not a reactive person even though I've had lots of reactions (laughs) and I would stuff them down and respond. Mm. And I guess if my response is like grounded in still me, um, that's great. But if my response becomes, how do I make this other person comfortable? That's not serving me. Mm-hmm. And the reactions I have had are, you know, I should react negatively to something that's nasty. But what I would do is like, oh, that's mm. a choice. Like, <laughs> and, and then later think about like, wow, man, I, I really, I really could have, I was angry, but I didn't like let it out. Mm. Um, and I'm also a black woman who has been trained and taught Mm -hmm. that, um, this label of being an angry black woman, you cannot get angry or they'll stop hearing you, Mm. which I'm not gonna lie on some level has been true. So then I have made myself so like resting nice face, Mm -hmm. so quiet. I mean, I'm not a quiet person, but soothing, like, But if I were to really react, I just Mm. was so afraid of being dismissed um, and all of these other things. So many like messages are going on in my head. There's like so there's like messages from ancestors who were who never learned anything better and did the best they could about and they were all about surviving. Mm. And that's what they did to survive. But if I think about what they dreamed for me, it was not this. Mm. So even if they could not do or react the way they wanted to, because it was actually a life or death situation, mm-hmm. if I think about what they dreamed for me, it was not to be in these tiny boxes and make myself so small and just get stuck. Mm-hmm. They wanted expansiveness. I feel yeah. that. I feel that in my bones. So it is how can I react? Like just let mm-hmm. myself be like, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm always like, you know, I don't always have to be respectful, but I, I you know, because I think, I think about respectability politics and all this bullshit that I was <laughs> taught. Like if you just do it this mm-hmm. way, then you'll be accepted and you can get a job and you can live in these places. And um, that's not actually true. And so, you know, I'm reckoning with what I was taught, what was passed down to me, but I'm also sitting with like what people dreamed for me across my lineage and what I want to do with all of the messages I've heard all my life that I that are not serving me and have never served me and got me to where I needed to be. But today, what do I want to do? Where do I want to stand for? What do I want to say out loud? Mm-hmm. And that is still a process because there's so many voices back there still, you know, you know, tug of war over there. But when I get to just react, oh my gosh, it's yeah. a beautiful thing. Mm. It's a beautiful, and sometimes it's a real interesting thing. It's like, ooh, well, that's that's been said. So mm. yeah, I'll sit with that. And thank you. That's a gift. Yeah, well, it's just making me think about how healing is so relative. Because for somebody who 
their impulse might be to like react so strongly and like lash out and attack mm-hmm. people or like where they haven't thought so much through it, then it might be a growth edge to sit back a little bit and take a pause before reacting. But for you, it's the opposite of that where that's all you've done. You've just sat there and contemplated and rewritten your your responses before you ever had them out loud. So for you, it's the opposite where it's your growth edge to step into that and let yourself react more quickly and more authentically and more naturally to you rather than trying to, you know, step back and pause and think about it. Because you've been in the land of let me rewrite or let me intellectualize and let me, you know, make this acceptable and small enough and comfortable enough for other people. So then you stepping into your fullness is you having your authentic reaction in the moment. It just really depends, I think, what end we're coming from or what space we're coming from in terms of what our, nat- not even our natural, our conditioned, mm, conditioned inclination yeah. is, because that's not a natural response, that's a conditioned response. So wherever we've been kind of taught or programmed or conditioned, oh, you have to be more like this, to actually like unlace that and let it open and let yourself do what comes more naturally to you as a way to kind of step into yourself and expand like you're talking about. You're supposed to be expansive, not small. Mm, yeah, I'm like, I think about like, what would it be like? And this is part of my like dream. I'm like, what would it be like if I, it's not even going, part of me is like, if I went back in time, <laughs> scooped myself up, didn't get conditioned, and then I just plopped myself back, like who mm. would that person be? Mm-hmm. And so as I'm trying to unlearn a lot of this unconditioning and, and reach towards, it's a remembering. Because mm-hmm. it's not like I was born like this. Mm-hmm. No, I was expressive. I had feelings. I wrote songs. I was telling everyone what mm-hmm. I thought about them, um, for better or for mm-hmm. worse. And I think it is a remembering of who like that soul is mm-hmm. and who that soul wants, how it wants to express itself and how it wants to actually be in this container um, versus what other people have done or said to keep it safe or to do whatever things they thought they needed to do. So how do I return to return to myself? How do I remember? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, I know eclipses and like <laughs> feelings and like it rushed, like all of these like really quick moments um really help me and I don't always put those pieces together I'm like wait that's that's for me mm-hmm. yeah well the great thing is whether we're aware of it or not these things are happening for us regardless <laughs> so we don't have to be like oh it's a new moon on a Saturday at 302 p.m you know mm-hmm. we don't have to have that conscious awareness for the things to be working for us and through us um so I just like to get nerdy and like dive mm-hmm. into the details and I love to research things yeah. and to make connections and do all of that but that's not necessary you know the you're getting the benefit out of it anyway what I do think it can really help with is when you are more consciously exploring it, you can connect dots faster or you can move through lessons more easily. You can get a better idea of what's coming or like an answer of why this might be coming up right now. And I mean, not in a way to be like, I need to analyze and control this, but just as kind of a peaceful, relaxing into it. Like, okay, 
something's happening. It's for me. I'm not alone in what I'm feeling. This is going on for a lot of people at the same time, but not needing to understand the why in order to relax into it or in order to trust the process. And so I wrote something about this eclipse yesterday, and that was actually a big piece of what I was writing about is we won't know the why immediately. And with some of the biggest shifts and changes that happen for us, that's pretty consistent. Like you rarely know with the biggest changes in your life why it's happening exactly this way at this time especially if it's unexpected or especially if it's accelerated. We don't even have the space to think through it and have a whole analysis and an essay and a dissertation about it, you know, and we're not supposed to. Like that actually can kind of gunk up the process and make us more stuck in the mental process of it. But it is supposed to be more of an emotional and like physical process of just being in your body and experiencing. It's an experiential kind of a thing that moves through us, you know, And we go on this ride. Like, we don't always think we signed up for it, but we're on this ride regardless. And so then we kind of, we decide how we ride it out and what we do while we're moving. But we don't always know the why. And the thing that I've been feeling for this eclipse in particular, so the first eclipse happened on April 30th. That was a solar eclipse, new moon. And then we have a lunar eclipse with a full moon on May 15th, 16th, depending where you are in the world. So this is, we're in the middle of what's called an eclipse window. So the window between two eclipses. And so this is like an especially potent time Mm. where we're kind of in the vortex right now. We're like in the middle of the tornado. There might be kind of a calm before the storm thing or when you're like in the eye of a hurricane, you know, how you don't like really hear anything, see anything until it hits. But we're in the midst of this window right now. So this is like this very potent time for a lot of change. Um, And then, you know, once the window closes, that doesn't mean that everything that happens is between these couple weeks. It will have some ripple effects both before and after. So it's going to be on different timeframes for everybody. But I've been having this very strong feeling that within the next four weeks, we're recording this on May 1st. So by the end of May, 2022, we're going to get some clarity. Mm. So right now, nothing is clear. At least that's how I've been feeling. I know a lot of people are in that boat too. Things are not clear yet, but they're not supposed to be clear yet because we don't have all the information. And so the message that I've been getting repeatedly lately, and I think this is true for a lot of people too, is pause, (laughs) wait, just sit with it for a minute. You know, you don't have to rush forward. You don't have to know all the answers right now. You don't need to know the why right now. You just need to be and you need to observe and you need to step back and trust that it's going to take you somewhere that is good for you in the long run. You know, you might not always see it immediately. Sometimes these periods of time can also bring up what feel like blessings in disguise, or I mean, they don't feel like blessings in the moment because they're disguised. <laughs> they're disguised. But, <laughs> yes, they feel like jarring, like, oh my yeah. God, I can't believe this thing happened. Like you get so upset about it or you think that you just went off course. Like I thought it was going to be this and then it was this and I'm so upset about it. And it's important to like acknowledge and feel those feelings. So they're very real, yeah. but also not to jump to conclusions and thinking this is like the worst thing that could have happened because over the next four weeks, we're going to start to see why those things have happened the way that they do. 
And whenever something falls apart, it's to make room for something else to come in. I really like the phrase, rejection is protection. And I try to remind myself of that whenever I'm feeling like burned by something or rejected by something or like something got taken away from me that I really wanted and felt attached to, that oftentimes we get really upset about it in the moment and we think it's this horrible thing. And it feel it does feel horrible, so it's important to feel that. But to just leave a little opening to be like, well, what else could this be bringing? Mm. You know, it doesn't mean that you need to be fully in that space. Like you can have your reaction, you can have your feelings. You need to sit in it as long as you need to, but to leave space, to leave room, just to even ask that question, to not just close the door and say, well, that was horrible and that's the end of it. You know, like I try to get curious um, and it can be really hard when you're in the midst of it. So you kind of have to do that (laughs) when you're able to, but when you're on the floor crying, getting getting curious on the ground. (laughs) I'm never curious when I'm on the floor crying. Let's just be real about that. But after I'm on the floor crying and I've moved through that Mm -hmm. and then I'm in a different space, I start to just think about that of like, huh, I wonder why that did happen. But not in a way of trying to control like Mm -hmm. we're talking about earlier, like why did it happen? I need to understand and I need to know. And that's more of like a gripping kind of you know, forcing energy, Mm -hmm. but more just like a curiosity and a neutral openness to see different things that I might not have seen before. Because sometimes when we get very attached to a particular outcome, we don't see actually the possibilities that are all around that. Um, Sometimes we have like blinders on. And so we only see the thing that we want right in front of us. And when we don't get it, we get very disappointed or very upset. But what if the thing that you've been looking for is just in a different form and it's standing right beside you, but you can't see it because you have a blinder there. And the, the way to remove that blinder is to have the thing that you thought you wanted get kind of taken out of the picture so that you have to open up to new possibilities. And as difficult as sadness can be, sadness is an opener. You know, if we allow it to be sadness as an opener, it makes us look for connection with people. It makes us look for, you know, what else can I do? What else is there? Did I do something wrong? Like, even those kind of questions can be something that leads us to openness if we allow it to. Um, And so, those experiences, as painful as they can be, they're often prepping us and leading us to something that's much bigger and better and more aligned than the thing that we wanted that was right in front of us in the first place. And so that's the trick. That's the whole lesson with eclipses is to trust the process even when it doesn't make sense in the moment because the things that we dream for ourselves sometimes are so much smaller than the thing that's actually meant for us. And eclipses always bring us into line with our destiny. And sometimes we think that our destiny is one thing or we think that, you know, this one thing would be such a great thing to get. And we don't realize that we have the whole universe that opened up in front of us and that we're supposed to have so much more than we ever thought that we could have. That is so beautiful. Thank you for spending this time with me. It's been so, so lovely. Yeah. We just talked like we usually do, which is wonderful. I know. That was the goal. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And now I have a whole bunch of insight to think about, mm. like, or feel about, actually. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to feel about and not think as much. <laughs> well, before we close, like, do you have any thoughts or, like, I guess intentions for yourself for eclipse season? You know, we've got a couple weeks of it left, um, but this is going to last for a while. This energy will last, you know, beyond this window. It'll last at least till the end of May, but it's going to have a ripple effects over the entire summer. So, do you have any things that this brought up that you want to think about? Yeah. I think 
one of the things and the theme throughout, uh, moving with the current or fighting with it. So my intention for this eclipse season is to actually remember when the universe, and this happens a lot, has, has clearly brought me to a higher place than I, than I expected and more than Mm. I even wanted. And just to say, it's got a bigger picture and I don't need to know why. Mm -hmm. I don't need to know why move with it sky your back Mm. so i think it's an intention around how i can move with it and also bring all of my beautiful children (laughs) along um and my intention is really to allow space to feel and let things move through rather than trying to control or question Mm. just like move through with it and if i don't have loving forgiveness for that part too because you know I'm different each day. I'm different each hour. But I think my intention is to just know that like there's something bigger out there than sometimes I've even dreamed of. Mm -hmm. And just to remember that like what is happening is for me. So, you know, welcoming the expansiveness, even if it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Uh, How about you? Do you have an intention (laughs) for this eclipse? I do. I mean, really, I'm just working continually on rolling with things. So very similar in a lot of ways. But, you know, I had a recent experience where something that felt so stable and solid and static for me felt like it just got removed, you know, very unexpectedly. And not even in a bad way. Like it's, it feels freeing in a lot of ways, but it also feels like I'm free floating through space without that now. Um, so I've just had a lot of things that I thought were concrete or a lot of things that I expected to be certain ways. And I mean, you never catch those expectations fully until it doesn't go the way you expect. And then you're like, oh, oh. apparently I did have an expectation there. I <laughs> yeah. thought I was open, not as much as I thought. So I get you know humbled with that all the time with myself. But yeah, just really being able to flow with things and trust the process and also not need to figure things out ahead of time. Because still, as much as I have rehabbed a lot of this, my kind of impulse in the moment when I start to feel like I don't know what's happening is to try to figure it out, is to try to be like, okay, well, what do do I think is going to happen? And I need to come to a solid understanding or decision now. And really, that's not what... That's not what it is. That's not what needs to happen. That's not what's going to help. That isn't even possible right now. I don't have all the information. So I keep just reminding myself, this is the pause. This is the waiting period. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's exactly where I'm supposed to be. And that is the work for me right now is pausing without trying to fill in all the blanks. Um, And that I will have a very clear understanding when I'm supposed to have a clear understanding, but that's not yet. And I mean, that can be a really difficult like experience, even though it's so freeing and wonderful in a lot of ways too. Like I've been surprised by how uncomfortable it still feels for me to be there because I have practiced it and practiced it. And it's like, you think you're going to get so much better at it. And it is just hard every time. I mean, at least that's my experience, but... (laughs) It is just kind of difficult every single time I have to fully let go. But the thing that has helped me a lot is um, every time that I have gone through something and I had absolutely no idea what was going to happen, and then something wonderful has come out of it or something that I'm like, this is why. You know, you eventually, if you're willing to kind of let go and follow the current and just be in the experience and trust it, eventually you get to a point where you see why. And it often is better and bigger than you could have imagined. So I'm also trying to kind of remind myself, like, 
this has happened before and I've ended up in better places by going through this process. So just because I feel like I'm in kind of this void space where there's not really a whole lot going on right now or I don't know a lot of the answers, that void space is a very fertile space where everything can be formed, you know? It can feel scary because it's nothingness, but it also, that's the space of all creation. That's where everything comes out of. And so if we're not willing to sit in that kind of darkness, in that nothingness for a while, we never actually get to create the thing and experience the thing that we're looking for because we always have to fill it with something else. So I'm just going to be sitting here, you know, like in this void space and seeing what comes out of it and you know, reminded myself that all is well. And then also letting all the pieces of myself have their little freakouts when they need to. But, you know, I can be the observer. That's the thing is we can have all these different parts of ourselves who are having different experiences. And at least a piece of myself will always stay in that observer role. A big piece of me goes and has the experience, but there's always at least a very small portion of myself that's attached to like, this is temporary. This is moving me towards something for some reason, and I will understand more later, and I just need to be here now. Oh, that's beautiful. I wish you all the spaciousness. And it's also really good to hear how those things come up for you. So I'm like, okay, I'm not alone. (laughs) It's going to be like a void space party, but the beautiful creations we can make in there as we, and we can freak out too. And both of those things are true. And so I appreciate you sharing all that. This has been so lovely. It's been so lovely. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you everybody for listening. And this has been the Star Child Podcast with Tani Estrella and Kalechi Bozo. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye.